Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, what more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. There were two more murders 15 miles away. We have We all have that little voice in our heads, one that tells us what to do and how to do it. But for the most part, we are good at knowing when to obey and when to ignore those nagging commands. On July 9, 1950, a man was born who would fail to disobey when his nagging little voice started to tell him to kill. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Thomas Dillon was a mild-mannered water department worker husband and father, who liked to cruise the back roads of southwestern Ohio, making big claims about his fantasy life. We've all done it, sat down and pretended what it would be like to be a millionaire or the doctor who cured cancer and saved thousands of lives. Thomas was no exception. However, one of his favorite fantasies to indulge in was a special forces soldier out hunting for the enemy. A fantasy that, on April 1st, 1989, he was ready to make into a reality. This is when, over the course of three years, Ohio was seized in fear when a serial sniper began killing campers, outdoorsmen, and joggers while driving by in his car. First to fall victim to his fantasies was 35-year-old Donald Welling, who was jogging along Tuscawaras County Road when, according to Thomas, a voice told him to shoot the stranger. Next was 21-year-old Jamie Paxton, who had been deer hunting in Belmont County on November 10, 1990. 
and 18 days later, 30-year-old Kevin Loring, who had also been out hunting. He left little behind in the way of evidence, and no witnesses ever saw anything suspicious. It was almost like he was a phantom. And just when people began to fear he would never be caught, Thomas Dillon made the fatal mistake a lot of criminals make. He wrote a letter to a local newspaper. It stated that he was the man who murdered Jamie Paxton, and that he was being controlled by an irresistible compulsion to kill. He went on to state that, while he fit the definition of a serial killer, he was an average-looking man with a family, job, and home with a voice in his head that made him into a merciless killer. That five minutes after he shot Jamie Paxton, he was out drinking a beer like nothing happened. On March 14, 1992, he shot 48-year-old Claude Hawkins while he was fishing at Wills Creek Dam. He later said that as he drove by, Claude waved at him and the voice told him to go back and get him. This shooting took place on federal property, meaning that the FBI stepped in and a task force was created. Ten days after the task force meeting, Thomas Dillon shot his fifth victim, 44-year-old Gary Bradley, while fishing in Caldwell, Ohio. Next came Larry Oliver, who was luckily able to escape uninjured. Then the task force got a call in August of 1992 that would help to blow the whole case wide open. A high school friend of Thomas Dillon's called the police and regaled them with stories about a teenage Thomas who enjoyed slaughtering animals, was obsessed with serial killers, and drove through the countryside taking shots at road signs and small animals. He recalled on one occasion that Thomas shot and killed a chipmunk in his backyard, chased his son with a dead animal, and when he fell, rubbed the carcass in the boy's face. Thomas Dillon was placed under surveillance and was followed for a month, where officers watched him buy guns, drive around aimlessly shooting at stop signs, animals, electric meters, and even taking shots into populated areas. The only thing they found him doing that they could arrest him for was shooting cattle. But as hunting season approached, they were worried the killings would pick back up. So on November 27, 1992, they arrested him on a weapons charge for owning a silencer. They announced at a press conference that they had a suspect in the serial shootings and that anyone with firearm transactions from Thomas Dillon should come forward. On December 4th, a gun dealer called police and was able to connect Thomas with the gun used to kill two of the five victims. He was indicted on capital charges on January 27th. Thomas Dillon, in exchange for the death penalty being dropped, pleaded guilty on July 12th, 1993 to all five counts of murder and instead was sentenced to five consecutive life terms. Police believe he is responsible for several other shootings, but he has yet to be definitively connected. After Thomas Dillon was sent to prison, his wife attempted to sell his story to Hollywood, an attempt that, thanks to Jamie's mother, Jean Paxton, and Ohio State Senator Bob Ney, was blocked with the passage of the Paxton Bill, which barred killers, or their relatives, from profiting off of their crimes. On October 21, 2011, Thomas Dillon died at the age of 62 due to an unspecified illness. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on July 10th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.
Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.